0: another episode of Case Closed. Before we get started, I'd like to extend a big congratulations to Matt, host of Cold Case Chase, and kind of the ringleader here at the Caseatorium. He's wrapping up season two of his show, as well as his first year doing the podcast. It's been a very fruitful year for Raving Lunatic Media, and a lot of that is directly due to Matt. So thank you very much, Matt. You rock. Now, last episode, we talked about Lady Bluebeard, or Belle Gunness, and her life of poisoning loved ones and collecting their life insurance. If you have not yet listened to that episode, please check it out after this one. This episode we will be talking about Paul John Knowles, a man better known as the Casanova Killer. Born on April 25, 1946, Paul John Knowles had a very abusive father who would often give his children whoop which frequently left black and blue bruises. This behavior led to Paul running away from home on several occasions. When he was eight years old, Paul tried to steal a bike from a neighborhood kid. His father was fed up with him and put Paul into the foster system. Paul's life didn't get much better from there. He was aggressive and got into several fights and was accused of abuse throughout his childhood and was in and out of the Arthur G. Dozier School for Boys in Florida. If you don't know, in 2013, this reform school was subject to a major investigation due to a high number of deaths coming from there, to which over 50 bodies were discovered buried on the grounds, as well as over 500 boys who claimed they were subject to physical, sexual, and mental abuse while there. At the age of 19, Knowles was arrested for the first time as an adult. He spent several years in prison, and in 1974, while serving time at Florida State Prison, Paul began corresponding with a divorcee named Angela Kovic from San Francisco. She made a trip to visit Knowles in prison, and upon her arrival, he proposed to her. Angela accepted Paul's proposal and began working very hard to get him out of prison, primarily by paying for his legal counsel. After Noel's release from prison, he flew straight to California so they could be together. Angela had a psychic that she periodically visited. During one of these visits, the psychic warned Angela that she was in danger due to the entry of a new man in her life. After that visit, Angela broke off the engagement and called off the wedding with Paul. Though it has never been confirmed, Knowles claimed that he killed three people on the streets of San Francisco that night. Heartbroken and furious, Paul John Knowles left California and flew to Jacksonville, Florida, where a few days after his arrival, Paul was arrested for stabbing a bartender during a fight. He was not locked up very long as he picked the lock to his cell and escaped. Knowles' cross-country murder spree began in Jacksonville on the night of his escape, July 26, 1974. He broke into the home of 65-year-old Alice Curtis, bound and gagged her ransacked her home for money and valuables, and then stole her car. Alice Curtis choked to death on her own dentures due to the gag loosening them when he tied it on her. It is unknown whether or not he was present for her death. 11-year-old Lillian Annette Anderson and seven-year-old Mylette Josephine Anderson are believed to be Noel's next victims. They disappeared in early August of 1974. Though it has never been confirmed, these girls were daughters of a friend of Paul's mother It is believed that Paul was worried that they recognized him, so he kidnapped them. Their bodies have never been found. On August 1st, Paul abducted 13-year-old runaway, Jean Sanders. He raped and strangled her. She would not be identified until December of 2011. The very next day, on August 2nd, Knowles met Marjorie Howey. It isn't known if he forced his way into her house or if she invited him in. Paul John Knowles was incredibly handsome and used his good looks to get to most of his victims, which is why eventually he became known as the Casanova Killer. He strangled Marjorie with a pair of her own nylon stockings and stole her TV. On August 23rd, Paul made his way to Missoula, Georgia and broke into the home of Kathy Sue Pierce and strangled her with a phone cord in front of her three-year-old son, who he left physically unharmed. On September 3rd, Knowles entered a bar near Lima, Ohio, and met a man named William Bates. The bartender reported that William and Paul had several drinks and left together. William's wife reported him missing. His car was also gone from the parking lot, but the police found an abandoned car near the bar. It would be a month before they found William Bates' naked body dumped in the woods. He had been strangled. Two weeks later, now driving William's car, Paul approached a campground in Eli, Nevada. He bound and shot Emmett and Lois Johnson. Part of what made the Casanova killer so hard to track was that he didn't have a specific type of prey or method of killing. This was a seemingly random murder and wouldn't be tied to Knowles until he confessed to the killing. Three days after the shooting, Paul pulled over to help stranded motorcyclist Sherilyn Hicks in Seguin, Texas. He raped, then strangled her with her own pantyhose, then drug her naked body through some barbed wire, where it would be found four days later. On September 23rd, traveling through Alabama, Knowles picked up Ann Dawson. It's not known if he abducted her or if she came willingly. He used her for money for six days, then he killed her and dumped her body into the Mississippi River. She has never been found. Another two weeks passed, and Knowles arrived in Marlborough, Connecticut on October 16th. He broke into the home of Karen Wine, who lived with her 16-year-old daughter. Knowles raped them both, and then strangled them. The only thing found missing from their house was a tape recorder. Two days later, Knowles found his way to Woodford, Virginia, where he broke into the home of Doris Hosey and shot her with her husband's rifle. He wiped his prints from the gun and laid it next to her body. Police found nothing missing in the house and couldn't find any motive for the murder. Still driving Bates' car, Knowles had made his way back to Florida. He picked up two hitchhikers in Key West with intentions of killing them. His plans changed, though, when he was pulled over. The officer had no idea who he was dealing with and let Knowles go with a warning. This shook the Casanova killer enough that he dropped off his passengers in Miami He then called a lawyer and confessed to all of his crimes, but refused to turn himself over to police. Though he did arrange a meeting with the lawyer that lasted long enough for Knowles to hand over tapes containing his confessions, as well as instructions that any money made off of his story should go to his mother. He was able to get out of town before police were made aware of his presence. On November 6th, Knowles was in Milledgeville, Georgia. He befriended a man named Carswell Carr who invited Knowles back to his house for drinks. While there, Knowles stabbed Carswell to death, then strangled the man's 15-year-old daughter, sexually assaulting her corpse after he murdered her. Two days later, while bar hopping in Atlanta, Georgia, Knowles picked up a woman named Sandy Fox, who was a journalist. Using his good looks, he spent the next couple of days with her, but was unable to perform sexually. They parted ways on November 10th, but not without Knowles telling his story first. Sandy believes that the fact that she was a writer is what saved her life. Knowles wanted his story told, and she would be able to do it. A couple of days after parting ways with Sandy, Knowles picked up an acquaintance of hers named Susan McKenzie. He held a gun to her and demanded sex. She was, however, able to get away and notify police. When the patrolman approached Knowles, he brandished a sawed-off shotgun and was able to get away. A few days after that, in West Palm Beach, Florida, Knowles broke into the house of an invalid named Beverly Mabee. He tied her up and abducted her sister who was her caregiver. He drove to Fort Pierce, Florida and dropped her off without incident. On November 16th, an officer recognized the stolen car and pulled Knowles over. Unfortunately, Knowles was able to wrestle the gun away from the officer and forced him into the trunk of the squad car and stole it. Using the lights and siren, the Casanova killer pulled over James Meyer, who he then took as hostage as well, ditching the squad car. But he was now burdened with two hostages. Paul drove to a heavily wooded area in Pulaski County, Georgia, where he tied the two men to a tree and shot them both in the head. Shortly after this, Knowles approached a roadblock that had been set up for him. Seeing no other way out, he hit the roadblock going as fast as he could injuring one officer in the process. He then got out and ran, shooting at the officers as he did so. Knowles was shot once in the foot, but kept running. A pretty chaotic chase followed this, with helicopters, dogs, and several police chasing Knowles. But on November 17, 1974, Knowles' reign of terror would end when he was cornered by 27-year-old Vietnam veteran, David Clark, who was armed with a shotgun. Clark had found Knowles several miles away from the focused area of the search. He walked Knowles to a nearby house where they called the police. Knowles was far outside of the parameters for the search and most likely would have escaped again if not for the actions of these citizens. Once the authorities arrived and handcuffed Knowles, they took him in, once in custody. Knowles confessed to 35 murders across the country, but only 20 have been confirmed. His confession tapes have never been heard by anyone but the lawyer, as they were stored in a basement that sustained heavy flood damage, destroying the tapes. The lawyer has never revealed what was on them, claiming client confidentiality. A month after his arrest, December 18, 1974, Knowles was handcuffed in the backseat of a police car being transferred to Henry County, Georgia. The Casanova killer was able to reach into the front of the car and grab the driving officer's gun. He discharged a round while it was still on the holster. The officer in the passenger seat quickly reacted and shot Paul John Knowles in the chest three times, killing him instantly. To end this episode, I'll send you off with a quote from the Casanova killer. This was an exchange he had with an interviewing officer. If I had to live again, I wouldn't, you know? You wouldn't do what? Live. And that's Case Closed. Thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with me for a little while. Make sure to check out all the other awesome podcasts on Raving Lunatic Media. Cold Case Chase and A Case of the Chills are currently on break, but they will be back before we all know it. Episode 8 of Zodiac Task Force will be out very soon. And don't forget to check out Sci-Fi Malady. Come back and join me next time, where we will be talking about the New York Zodiac. Eroberto Seda.